she's eating two feet from all the poop in urine. Do you think I meet the definition of a hoarder? The, the poop, man. you got a ton of poop in this house. What is the main cause of the smell? Uh, musty, musty odor having to do with mold and dust. No. No? Is that, is that brand new information to you? To think that the feces and urine has something to do with the smell? I guess so, because I thought it was due to the mold and dust. You have to tell me this, because I, I... You don't know, yeah. I mean, some people would argue, how do you not know that feces in the house is bad? But wait, I don't smell it anymore. It's an extremely dangerous house. The feces, the mold, and bloody tampons just laying on the floor. <laughs> Listen, living... Listening to Synchronon. Sick and Ron. Yes, you listen to Synchronon. The Sick and Ron, the world source for antisocial commentary. God, what a bunch of scumbags. Good evening. Welcome to Sick and Wrong, the world source for antisocial commentary. One of your hosts, E. Simon. I'm the other one, Kate Rambo. What's cracking, other one? The other one. I have been getting out and about. Ooh. D. Simon. Lockdown lifted. Lockdown has been lifted. And Getting I, crazy, wild in the streets. I'm living life dangerously because I have not been vaccinated, and I'm just getting amongst it all. Can you go out to the pub? We and can. The pubs are open. I have, and I, I went to the pub for the first time since February 2020, and I saw me a good old-fashioned British pub fight. It was Ooh. amazing. Now that's a sign that things are getting back to normal. Yeah, it was so good. The two two guys fighting one of them had free teeth my money was on free teeth george and then the other guy was ginger <laughs> wait, wait, wait but this was the fight you were talking about in the patreon outtakes yes it was yeah uh kate went into a lot of detail about this but she was all excited it was great you were you were all like you're just i don't know like uh yeah definitely on edge just kind of being like oh my god it was so exciting like when is the last time you saw a pub fight though it's been even before covid i was like i don't think i've seen a pub fight in quite some time before that You've been, you've been deprived normal British lad behavior. I have, and it was great to feel that energy once more. Yeah, the uh, the energy of uh, the titillation of the <laughs> British pub fight. So did you say it was in like a weird, I can't think of the name of the town, a posh town, right? Uh, Windermere. I went Windermere. down to the lakes. <laughs> yes, to the, it's the... You would never think that it would happen in a place like Windermere. It's like one of the richest places in this country. And it was just like a down and dirty, just English lad. Lads just pub letting fight. loose who'd been day drinking. And at 7 p.m., it all just like went to shit. Was it inside the pub? Like, no, it was, can in, you very, go inside? It was in the beer garden. Oh, so it was outside yeah, the beer garden. Yeah, it was brilliant. Yeah. And, and so uh, everyone was watching. And then it spilled out onto the streets. <laughs> George took his top off. I think I, there's a the free did you call guy. him George or yeah. is George just the English like the English lad that gets into a lot of fights? No, he had him. He was George is a landscaper and he was advertising his landscape business on the T-shirt that he took off to fight. That's smart to get in a pub fight with like your with name your on landscaping. Your shirt. Yeah, and George only had three teeth. Gorgeous George. Yeah, he only had three teeth, but isn't, I mean, he won. He won the fight. But isn't that kind of common for most English lads, especially, especially in the north? Cum- yeah, especially Cumbrians. I would say it is. They've never been taught what a toothbrush is. So with uh, with a lot of American fights, typically like bouncers come and they break it up, and sometimes they even call the cops if it's that bad. 
Does that happen with the British fights, or is everyone like, oh, that's just British behavior? No, it's just two lads getting rowdy. It was just kind of like two lads. The the pub staff came out, and they and then obviously all their kind of mates were like, sorry, everyone, sorry, sorry. We know you're not sorry. I fucking enjoyed it. I would have clapped if a. Uh, were people the in the uh, were, were other people that were drinking in the beer garden? Were they also entertained? Everyone was pretty much looking and being like, "Yes." Were yes. you getting Were you getting into it? Like, hey, them George, knock his fucking teeth out. Uh, yeah, I wanted to see some clarets filled. <laughs> I was so into it. It was brilliant. Well, that is a sign that things are getting back to normal, though. Yeah, it was. It was great. You know, was, if I've caught the COVID from that night, it was worth it. Well, so wait, you you were saying you're not vaccinated. I'm still not vaccinated yet. There's like, um, uh, what's it? It's not the word delays. In my city, can't get the vaccine. Okay, you're not holding out. You're not like one of those people like, no, I'm not I getting would... a vaccination. I don't want Bill Gates controlling my vagina. I would totally go and get vaccinated, but I have to travel 30 miles to go and get it. And I just kind of think that's beside the point when I have to travel 30 miles. And it's like paying for it out of my own pocket, too. But you, you live in a city, though, right? Well, sort of a city. Yeah, I live near a city, but the city I live closest to doesn't have any vaccines, no vaccination centers. So I have to travel 30 miles in the opposite direction to go and get a vaccine. So I'm just going to wait for a vaccine center to open up here. It's because they're siphoning off the vaccines for what they're considering like slash more at risk cities. So like Glasgow is more at risk or London is more at risk. So they're getting all the vaccines. Well, denser and populations. Fuck the rest of us. Yeah, fuck the rest of us basically. So you got to travel to go get your vaccine. Yeah, or wait it out until like there's more vaccines available and my city will have them, which is what I think I'm just going to have to do. I don't want to pay to travel 30 miles to go and get it done. It's, well, like fuck that. In my country. In your First country. of all, in my country. <laughs> in the I mean, You can go get a vaccine be. at fucking right you get to the drugstore, you yeah, get a vaccine. It is ridiculous, and I don't agree with We've, how they're doing it. Here. We have so many vaccines, it's got to the point now where the demand has started to fall. Because everybody who wanted to get the you know the shots have already gotten inoculated. So now it's like we got a group of people, kind of a significant portion of the country, only 62% of the United States has been, I forget how many people it is exactly, but 62% of the adult population has received at least one vaccine dose. So there's still, I mean, then what is that, like 48% of people? Right, and what point? Or 38% of people have not been vaccinated yet. So now what they're doing is they're giving incentives okay. to people to get vaccinated. I'm actually kind of pissed off about this. Like what type of incentive? Like Give a T6 incentives. Like, for example, Krispy Kreme will set a, vac- set a vaccinated person will get one glazed donut per day. But what, for life? No, for the rest of the year. If they show the every vaccination day. They card. Get, they get a free donut every day. Yep. Oh, that's if they show the good. vaccination card. That's all right. Yeah, I'm going to go get a donut, and then I'm going to go on Tinder and get my dick sucked with my va- laminated vax card. <laughs> you wish. <laughs> <laughs> United Airlines is offering a year of free travel what? to five grand prize winners. That's great. That's a good one. Yeah. Uh, CVS announces one step closer sweepstakes. It'll begin on June 1. We'll include more than 1,000 prizes during the next six weeks. But what pisses me off about a lot of this is that they're doing this to people who have not yet gotten vac- vaccinated. So if you sign up now, well, then you're eligible to, you know, get in the lottery. To win things. Yeah, and you can start winning things. Like Kroger said, you know, we'll have five $1 million payouts to people who get vaccinated in the next three weeks. So they're really trying to get people. Well, the goal is obviously to achieve herd immunity. I was going to say before, what what is the percentage of herd immunity? 80%. Right. So we're so close. kind of close, yeah. No, we are close. And it's just these assholes 
who just, you know, don't want to get vaccinated yet. And I think Biden, even below herd immunity, Biden was saying he wanted 70 percent of adults to get at least one shot by July 4th. So then we'll be pretty close to herd immunity. And right now we're at 62 percent. It's only 8 percent away. But at the same time, it's like, fuck these people. They Let them die this, off. Yeah, they should have done this to begin with as like a treat to be like, you know what? You people are doing the right thing by just going out and getting the vaccine. Here's a free donor. Well, I think the thing is now it's like they're trying to target the people who are either holding out from it or who are, you know, QAnon type <laughs> deluded people that think, you know, Bill Gates is putting silicone chips in their dicks or something. And so they're trying to like target those people to change their mind. Um, and so... You know, now what they're doing is they're finding ways to entice the reluctant to go out and get vaxxed. So listen, to, here's a few things. And some of these, they piss me off because, you know, I would have got vaccinated as soon as they were available because I want shit to get back to normal. Well, I'm the same. I want to be vaccinated so I can fucking travel. But I'm not traveling to go and get it and then in 12 weeks time go and travel again it's ludicrous to me. i guess it depends on how far but it is kind of bullshit if they want people to get vaccinated make it easy to get vaccinated yeah why is my city not having the vaccine because glasgow and london are considered um more important basically well well i i can understand that in terms of population like, I can understand, but it's basically, there's, it's not just my city. There's a fair few cities that are just having no vaccine sent to them. So what kind of message is the government giving out there? The government's basically saying the that they don't give a shit. Well, the government never gives a shit about the North. Yeah, well, that's where all the munters live. So they're just <laughs> like, <true>. who cares? It's <laughs> where Free Tooth George lives. I tell you what, he won't be vaccinated either, being Free Toother. Um, In Maryland, New York, and Ohio, and California now, there's a dedicated lottery for vaccinated res- residents. So if you got vaccinated within the next two weeks, you'll be given a lottery ticket with a chance to win as much as $5 million. What? Yeah, Ohio Governor Mike DeWine said uh, they're having lottery drawings to get people inoculated. One, five prizes, $1 million each. It's called Vaximillion Program. Oh, I want to win the Vaximillion. Yeah, people in California are offered offer the chance to win $1.5 million and lottery prizes if they get the coronavirus vaccine in the next three weeks. People are going to do this and then win money, dickheads. But the like, next I'm two jealous. million people to be jabbed in the state will also get $50 vouchers to spend in supermarkets. You know what I got? Nothing. I got a sore arm. Aww. Yeah, and I got like sick all night. That's what I got. <laughs> Diarrhea all night. <laughs> that was my prize. Why does this show always descend into <laughs> one of us talking about diarrhea? I We're didn't. not even like 20 minutes into the show. I'm lying. I didn't get diarrhea. I did bar though. Did gross. you? Yeah, I got really sick. I like flu oh, yeah, yeah, from the, the second flu. shot. Yeah. That was terrible. I think most people do get sick off the second one. But it'd be worth it if you can get like, you know, $50. Fuck yeah. Or like a, you know, a voucher to Kroger or something. Um, I like this one. New Jersey residents who have received at least one COVID shot since December can enter to win dinner with Governor Phil Murphy. That is not a prize. <laughs> is Phil going to pay for it? I want Phil yeah, to pay for it. Yeah, you go to his it. mansion, the governor's mansion. And just sit and have dinner with him. Yeah, with the governor. That's awful. That is not a prize. Yeah, as I said, uh, Krispy Kreme has their incentive where you get one free glazed donut to anyone who goes to a uh, participating Krispy Kreme with proof of their shot. Participating. I was about to say, I bet it's one participating (laughs) star in like Nevada. (laughs) I like this one redemption per guest per day. So you could, in theory, get a free donut every day for the rest of the year. 
Yeah. Okay. Like, they have to have the one rule. Yeah. It's America. <laughs> America. Um, now, this would convince me, and I think a lot of cities should follow suit here, shot for shot. So, in Portland and D.C. and Baton Rouge, Louisiana, um, healthcare professionals and bars are teaming up to offer a shot for shot. So, like if you it. get a shot and you go and show your vaccination card, then you get a free shot. I like it. I'm I'm for that. You can probably just go and make the the rounds and get drunk. Literally, yeah. You go to each bar and just get wasted. Yeah, I'm for that. Doing shots of Fireball. I do Fireball (laughs) Jaeger. Fireball Jaeger. Because you're night eighteen. I'm gonna barf and get diarrhea. Well, yeah. (laughs) It's your favorite thing to do. Your favorite hobby. Um, in uh, in Washington D.C. and New York City, they're uh, offering joints to people outside vaccination centers. Weeds. So, They're giving out weed. Yeah. It's to incentivize people to go get vaccines. Show your vaccination card. If you're over 18, you get a joint. Oh, okay. That's quite a nice prize, too. I think that's kind of cool. Why can't they do this here? That, that's what I'm saying. It's like we have so many vaccines. It's so easy to get a vaccine in the U.S. I mean, there's like, I don't know. It's, it's it seems it's like you guys pervasive. are inundated with them. Yeah. And it's, it, but yet people still are just like, it's, I'm American. I'm not going to get vaccinated. Whereas you live in a country that's, I don't know, smaller than Texas and you can't even get vaccines five hours up north. No, we can't. It's, it's insane. It's stupid. It is. Yeah. No, stupid. It, it makes absolutely no sense. It makes no sense that your country has as big of a problem with coronavirus as it does. Because it's an island. I know. Well, the inquiry had, well, Dominic Cummings shot his wad this week, and that has been amazing as well, where he's just fucking laying it all out about how Boris has, uh, has dropped the bollock big time, and it's been fantastic. Well, good. Someone should be accountable for it. And he will. Um, this is very American. In southern Illinois, you, uh, there's a mobile vaccination site. Uh, and that if you go and you uh, you get you get vaccinated and you show your card, you get 100 free target rounds for trap, skeet, or sporting clay shooting earlier oh. this month. Rounds at a gun range. That's so American. Yeah, so that's very American. That will convince some people. And this is the this is the one that I think will even convince John Steele to get a vaccine. Oh, yeah, even somebody. Oh, he's as, a lap dance. Yeah, even somebody as libertarian and. And, you know, terrified of big government as John Steele. I think if uh, he knew you can get free dances at Larry Flint's Hustler Club. Oh, he'd be if you there. you get your Vax card, he would be there. He would be there. He's probably there now with his so Vax card. every Friday, they're going to be doing this special for three hours. If you have, there'll be vaxing residents for three hours on Friday. And if you go there, you get a vaccination, you get jabbed. Then you get a free bottle in the house. That's so yeah. good. And you get dancers from vaccinated entertainers. A couch dance? Yeah. Oh, my God. John Steele. I'm messaging him tonight. That would convince me. I'm letting me. him know. That would convince me. <laughs> you know, that's the thing. It's, it's insane that it's gotten to this point where we have to give away joints and- Lap dances. Yeah, and like gift Donuts. certificates to Target to convince people to go save, you know, save lives. And stop this horrible disease. And yeah, so we can get back to normal. But I think the British government should listen to this. But I'm quite concerned, Kate. Are you concerned, David? I'm very concerned that we're carelessly giving away all this junk to the non-vaxxed, which will inevitably lead to extreme hoarding. There you go. There's your little (laughs) That's what I'm saying. It's a slippery slope. It's a stool-coated rabbit hole. (laughs) That's what it is. The unvaxxed, think about it. The unvaxxed, those are the people who are prone to hoarding. Can we just say, right, yeah, throughout this whole episode, 
Don't stare at me with those eyes every time you say the word harder because I am not a harder. I have collections. There's a difference. Once again, let me say, the unvaxxed <laughs> are prone to hoarding. And I know there's somebody who co-hosts a podcast who's unvaxxed and who hoards. I have been getting to the antique shops and I have some new porcelain zoo members <laughs> since the end. Did you say you have like a whole porcelain lifting. zoo of all these like little I do have porcelain por- animals? I do have a porcelain zoo. I think I probably have maybe like 50 animals in it. It starts It starts with porcelain zoo animals, something as innocuous as that. <laughs> and then it leads straight into buckets filled with poo. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's what happens. That's what's going to happen in your heart. <laughs> but that's, so what I'm saying is these non-vax people are too scared to leave their homes to even get a vaccine. So we're going to coax them out of their garbage-filled homes, you know, their garbage-filled abodes, with the hope of winning even more junk. To put inside the home. To put in their disgusting garbage-filled homes. Stop talking about my house like that. But, but that's what COVID has been a godsend for a lot of these people, though, because it allowed them to live their lifestyle, you know, without judgment, because everyone's been, you know, everyone's been trapped at home. That's true. So, you know, they're away from prying eyes. Family and friends weren't able to stop by and comment on their piles of newspapers and plastic bags and cereal boxes, you know, magazines, stacks of magazines, <laughs> porcelain animals, <laughs> you know, because, because they haven't been able to go home. So come over to their house. So, so if you think about it, these people are like, this is great. Yeah, I can just so- sit here unfettered and just live in my pile of filth. And with eBay, you kind of don't need uh, antique shops. You can just like keep buying from money. That's why I'm concerned that we're trying to be like, oh, hey, you know, come over and uh, and get a vaccine. Come out of your disgusting, filthy home trailer trailer for like, you know, three hours. Go get your vaccine. You get back home and now you might win a million dollars and buy even more shit for your hoard. I would buy so many porcelain zoo members if I won a million dollars. So, yes, this was a segue, Kate. A segue, <laughs> I think, for you and for a lot of listeners out there who are not vaccinated. But this episode, you know, should serve as a cautionary tale told through a true historical occurrence. You know, history can be very dark and ugly at times. It's not all wine and roses, Kate. I know it isn't. I like all the dark and ugly sides of history, David. I just hope you and the listeners take something away from this episode. The true horror of hoarding. Okay. From the story of the uh, Collier Brothers um, of Harlem. The famous brothers. Harlem 1930s, the OG hoarders. <laughs> they really were. They were like the original hoarders. I don't think people hoarded. I don't think anything. I mean, maybe people hoarded, but it wasn't like a media sensation as a one. Even the New York yes. Times wrote about these two guys. Yeah. And like this was back in the 1930s where Harlem was like, it was, you know, everyone was living there. It was up, up and coming neighborhood. It's not like the Harlem of today. Well, the depression it was leading towards that was it well it was what it became it was a richer area yeah no time. 1920s harlem was thriving it was but i mean it definitely you know the upper avenue streets definitely became a bit more violent after the 1930s so the collier brothers were the hermit hoarders of harlem as they're called in the uh, the newspaper um, New York City police in uh, the 1900s, like 1920s, 1930s, hated going over to that particular house. Oh, I bet. Yeah, well, because it was the subject of neighborhood mysteries, urban myths abounded about this mysterious home with the boarded, op- you know, boarded up windows. Oh, it's like my and, uh, my bunker. And stacks started. of garbage outside. My pile of bricks. <laughs> and and you never saw the residents of the home. This is like me in my house because I only leave the house under nightfall. Yeah, exactly. Very similar. 
stacks and stacks of porcelain animals. <laughs> I want them all. Buckets and buckets of feces. No, that's your house. <laughs> but no, that, I mean, they would see this, like, you know, the, homes, the home is boarded up. And it was like a pretty nice size, like Victorian. Um, when police finally gained entry to the house in 1947, they found one brother dead and 120 tons of junk. Uh, what's it, right? One man's junk is another man's treasure, though. Well, maybe. You can be the judge of that. Um, but yeah, they live in the mansion. Homer Lusk Collier and his brother Langley Wakeman Collier. Great names. Were born in 1881 and 1885 to one of New York's most respectable families. Um, the father was a gynecologist. Their mother was a former opera singer and a descendant of Robert Livingston. Being a gynecologist at that time, you know what he's doing? Those Victorian doctors all wanked off. Vibrators, yeah. He's just wanking off women. That's what their dad was. He's a woman wanker. It's not a bad job. In those days, we've all seen the Victorian ladies. I'm sure They're he all was pretty just doing muntry. a line of cocaine and being like, here well, you go. True. A little wank, yeah. a little cocaine. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, they were like uh, definitely like part of the aristocracy. Um, the, the, the mother was a descendant of Robert Livingston, which is the first Livingston family to immigrate to America in the 17th century, only half a century after the historic journey of the Mayflower. Right, okay. Uh, the Livingston family is rumored to have arrived on the Speedwell, which is a ship um, that made the trip to America right after the Mayflower. So an old American family. Like yeah, these they're, are like pioneers. Definitely historical roots there. Uh, the brothers live with their parents at 2078 Fifth Avenue. It's a corner house, mansion, that stood um, at the uh, the lot now occupied by the Collier Brothers Park. <laughs> there is a plaque there. Um, so Dr. Collier, the gynecologist, was known to be eccentric. He often paddled himself to work on a canoe down the East River to the city hospital on Roosevelt Island where he worked, and then carried the canoe back to his home through the city streets during his commute to and from the river. Why didn't, why didn't he paddle home? His fingers will have been sore by that point, his wrists. After wanking those women off all day long, he'll have had sore wrists. It's hard to paddle at that point. I bet it was. Um, The brothers, as they got older, also kind of followed in their father's strange footsteps. They also were rather eccentric. Wanking Um, off women. Dr. Collier died in 1923. Soon followed by his wife, uh, the mother here. She died in 1929, leaving the brothers in possession of the mansion on Fifth Avenue here in Harlem. Um, so for the next four years, Homer and Langley led a pretty normal uh, normal life. They weren't always just these two weird brothers. They did at, at one point have a very normal life. Um, you know, they attended church. They socialized with neighbors. Homer actually was a lawyer. Langley okay. was an engineer. Oh, wow. Um, though Langley never practiced his profession, instead, he devoted his time to music. He was a professional concert pianist. Oh my God, these are some learned brothers. Yeah, that, that, Do you know who they kind of remind me of? Um, Frasier and Niles. I bet they like to drink sherry. You know, actually, I think, they're, I think that's a good analogy, yeah. They're kind of like Frasier and Niles. You know, they, they never married, never had children, so they continued to live together, led seemingly normal lives. But everything changed in 1933. Okay. When Homer, one of the brothers here, um, Niles, had a stroke and lost his eyesight uh, due to optical hemorrhaging. Nasty. This prompted Langley to quit his job so that he could stay at home and take care of his brother. He never sought medical help, and this is kind of weird. Um, he would say that there was no point 
to consult the doctor. He said they're the sons of a doctor, and they had a vast collection of medical books and instruments. And he said it was his mission to cure his brother. Yeah, he will have had all the instruments that his dad had, which is like, what? Antique vibrators. I'm not going to help you, blind brother. Take him to the hospital. Well, I'm sure he had a couple speculums here and there. Yes, schlitzy. <laughs> sure um, he did. <laughs> it seemed that he feared doctors would, would actually sever his brother's optic nerve which would leave no possibility of recovery. Uh, Langley Collier has a quote. He said, We decided not to call in any doctors. You see, we knew too much about medicine. So he's a bit of an arrogant boy. Yeah, he's kind of like Fraser and Niles. They can be arrogant at times, too. Very independent. Uh, but as time went on, you know, he, um, Langley took care of his brother Homer. But the brothers became fearful of the changes that were happening in their Harlem neighborhood. The Great Depression had dramatically altered the economics of the society that they lived in. David, were jazz bars opening on every street corner? Was Billie Holiday singing in the background? Well, if that's a euphemism for a large number of African Americans <laughs> moving into their neighborhood, yes, that's what was happening. And, and it greatly disturbed the two brothers. Of course it did. <laughs> they uh, boarded up their windows and they shut themselves off from the rest of the world. They became reclusive and hermetic at this point. And the neighbors became uh, fascinated with their eccentricities. Kids would go over and throw rocks at, the, at their windows. At the witch house. Yeah. At the, you know, I mean, people were, it's weird to have like, you know, this, this mansion suddenly become, you know, dilapidated. Again, you're windows watching it, and you up. know that they're still inside there and they're alive. <laughs> well, rumors began to surface. Uh, that behind these closed doors were vast riches and luxuries brought from the Orient. Oh, no. But what was really happening is both these brothers were sliding into madness. <laughs> I love it. Um, Langley spent his days bathing, dressing, caring for his brother, um, and his behavior became weirder and weirder as time went on. Um, he spent the vast majority of his time tinkering these Various inventions they had in the house. He had a device for vacuuming the inside of pianos. Um, one needs one of them, David. I can't believe I've gone this long of my life without that. Um, he uh, took a Model T Ford. He made a generator. I'll get to that in a second. Um, he, as well as building these intricate tunnels and passageways through the piles of rubbish that were accumulating in the house. So at midnight... Usually midnight, between, one, between midnight to like 3 a.m., Langley would venture out of the house and walk miles all over the city to get food. Um, often this meant rummaging through trash cans outside grocers and butchers. You I was get, about to bring say, home discarded meat. At that time, what would be open in those days? Not he would much. just go, well, I think, the, you know, he would just grab the meat and the groceries that they discarded. Uh, he would also drag home all sorts of useless junk that he, you know, that he took in and filled the house with. Uh, the house soon became a maze of boxes, complicated tunnels consisting of junk and, and trash rigged with uh, trip wires. Oh, it's like bit. Vietnam inside a house. Yeah, I'll get to that a little bit more. He hoarded thousands and thousands of newspapers and bundled them together so that his brother could catch up on the news once he regained his eyesight. Oh, no. That ain't um, never going to happen. <laughs> well, he was quite confident that his brother would recover, and he had devised a cure out of the, you know, his, his father's medical books. Um, 100 oranges a week, black bread, and peanut butter. 
like all together in a smoothie? Or every just day. Say- no, every day. He'd eat at least 100 oranges a week. He'd eat black bread and peanut butter it's for every meal. a lot of meal. fucking oranges. How many oranges a, a day C. is that? Is that like 20 oranges a day? Well, it didn't work. Of course it's not going to work. What are you going to do? <laughs> give his, you diarrhea? <laughs> well, his health started to fail, and he became paralyzed uh, due to inflammatory rheumatism. But he still refused to get actual professional medical help for his brother. So at this point, they completely avoided all contact with people. It sounds like they had yeah. both descended into madness. And there were rumors just you know, circulating throughout the neighborhood. Some said that uh, Langley stalked out at night and that he, is, he and his brother were secretly wealthy. Uh, but despite the rumored wealth, his electrical water and telephone services were all removed after they failed to pay the bills. Where were they getting water from? That's the thing. He would sneak down to the park, local parks, and fetch water, bring it back in buckets. Oh, my word. Yeah. He didn't care, though, about, you know, the phone being cut off because he had no one to call. Yeah. And he didn't care about the heat either because um, he uh, he bought a Model T, a Ford Model T, took it apart, brought it into the cellar of the house, piece by piece, then reassembled it. And for a time, they used the car to generate electricity. That's shockingly clever. <laughs> but also shockingly unneeded and uncalled for. Just pay your electricity bill. Just pay it. He brought a small heater to share with his brother. He visited local parks where he got his water. He also wore this like very unique pinned together clothing. It was like because because their clothing were just was just shabby. He never washed it, so he just pinned together these outfits. Kind of looked like a scarecrow. I'm thinking or a punk, an original punk. Yeah, sort of like an OG punk, I guess. Um, they avoided people as much as he could, but when people did see him, he was very soft-spoken, very pleasant, very friendly. He was just weird. Yeah, he was, was like, like Howard Hawks or something. Like, yeah, like uh, Howard, he- well, Howard, Howard Hughes. Well, Howard, Howard Hughes, though, was actually kind of an asshole. He was an asshole, but I mean, this sounds like, you know, when he was getting at his worst, at his most mental. It's getting really strange. Yes. Uh, stories gained widespread attention. New York Times reported that they had turned down an offer of $125,000 for their Harlem Brownstone. And in those days, I wonder what, how much money that is today. Is that like into the millions, won't it? Yeah, but uh, but that was un- that was untrue. And salacious it was gossip. It, it never actually actually happened. Scandalous. But that's that's where they implied that the brothers had amassed this great wealth from uh, from the father, I guess, trading in uh, the Orient. I see. Um, but that that got a lot of attention. This article came out. Now there's a lot of attention on the Collier brothers. Led to a number of burglary attempts on the house. Oh shit! That's the last thing these brothers need. Was some paranoia chucked into this. Langley wired all the uh, doors shut in his house, so you couldn't you couldn't get into the house. The windows, I said before, were all boarded up. And now what he did, using his engineering knowledge, is he built a huge number of these intricate booby traps. Yeah, to this deter is, uh, thieves. This is Vietnam now, baby. <laughs> it's going to war. Fortunate son starts playing in the background. Well, I mean, there's like all these tunnels and passageways and all that. And so we put a series of like trip wires and all these other, like I'm, I'm picturing like Indiana Jones type thing. I'm thinking of a tiger's like going to yeah. jump out at some point. Or like, like a, you know, like a, a, a wooden like log with a bunch of poles or something would just like slam smash into your you. skull or something. It would be such a good haunted house. <laughs> no, they, they should have kept this actually. Um, but what was weird about it is it, by all appearances, I mean, they lived in destitution. You know, they had a house filled with garbage, boarded up windows, but they did have money. They did have money available to them 
for uh, you know extreme circumstances. I mean, both his parents are very wealthy, yeah. so they definitely had access to money. And they owned this house, so. Um, so uh, neighbors began to peek in on the brothers, and so they spent seventy five hundred dollars in cash, it'd be around one hundred twenty grand today, Whoa. to purchase their neighbor's home. Oh, just to stop them doing stop that. Stop them from uh, prying prying eyes. What are these? Oh, did they start filling that house up with junk? You know, they never really went into that. I don't think they. I think they all. They just lived in one house, but they just kind of kept that house empty. So no one could yeah. peek. But I would totally start. If I was one of these brothers, I'd be like, and now we have a place for more newspapers, brother. For <laughs> when you are better. more garbage over there. Yeah. Uh, in 1942, the bank eventually broke down the front door of the home to uh, foreclose on the property because the brothers had just stopped paying their mortgage for months. And when they broke down the home, Langley was there waiting for them inside with a check for $6,700. To pay it back. To, to pay off the entire mortgage. That's about $104,000 for by today's standards. Um, once when city workers had to force their way into the house to remove two old gas meters uh, that were a danger, um, the event attracted a crowd of 1,000 onlookers outside to see what was in the home. Well, you'd want to. I would totally be there. This gawking. is like a freak show. This is like a carnival of horrors or something at on this your point. street the mystery yeah. house what's it filled with treasures from the orient You'd, i'd be there yeah, i mean it's, if you're a kid could you imagine it's like think about all the uh, the rumors and these two weirdos that one guy looks like a scarecrow that no one's ever seen the other brother i'd be demanding to see that porcelain zoo um when a small fire started in the house um langley refused to let any firefighters come in and see his brother which raised a lot of suspicion with law enforcement. And uh, so, because nobody had seen Homer in years. So, I mean, they knew he was, they knew he had some kind of medical condition, but no one had seen him in years. Right. Uh, when questioned about Homer, Langley reaffirmed he was getting better. He said, Homer eats 100 oranges a week and is improving. He can actually sit up a little now. What is his obsession with these fucking oranges? Yeah, the man's not going to get scurvy, but it's not like he's at sea. <laughs> and the firemen were like, okay, well, the stacks and newspapers here are fire hazard. And he's like, well, I'm keeping them so Homer can catch up on the, on the world when, when he regains his vision. I think Homer might want to go outside when he <laughs> regains his vision. At this point, the house was so filled with junk, it was impossible to enter through the front door. Trash was overflowing out of the house. Uh, the two brothers lived in, slept in these nests that they had built you know, amid the mass of trash. Oh, my God. <laughs> Nests. <laughs> like little hamsters. Kate's inspired. Hoarding hamsters. Well, the severity of this, I mean, this hoarding, you know, the severity of this hoarding, which really is a mental disorder at this point, uh, came to light in the public in March 1947 when an anonymous person reported the stench of decomposition coming from the home. Do you think this anonymous person had tried to break in and Possibly. smell at the bottom? That's to me what it sounds but like. But also it could be like someone who lived nearby and it just smelled like... Just fucking stank. Like rotting yeah. garbage. Um, when the police arrived, they couldn't get into the house at first. I mean, you couldn't even get through the front door. There's, so there's like a solid wall of just like newspapers, beds, chairs, boxes, blocked the entrance. Eventually, they broke open a second-floor window, and after five hours of climbing and digging through millions of pieces of junk, they found Homer Collier's body Ugh, in all an of alcove, this is minging. surrounded by boxes and newspapers that were just piled high to the ceiling. And orange peels. Homer had starved to death. Where's his oranges? Where's his brother? 
Oh. Langley was missing. Um, rumors started circulating. Someone said they saw him on a bus heading towards Atlantic City. Oh, yeah, Atlantic City. <laughs> <laughs> they, they felt that his brother died and he took off because he thought he'd be blamed for his brother's murder. And there was a manhunt along the New Jersey shore. Turned up nothing. There was reports of Langley sightings in a total of nine states. It's like Elvis. But, I uh, saw Elvis. Yeah. So meanwhile, um, uh, the authorities were uh, clearing through the home trying to see if there's any other dead bodies, trying to get some clues as to where Langley might be. Um, and there are all sorts of strange items came up. There's a horse's jawbone. Nice. An early x-ray machine. Nice. Baby carriages. Not so nice. Lots of guns. Nice. More than 25,000 books. Nice. Human organs pickled in jars. Nice. Eight live cats. Aw, kitties. But you would need them to keep all the to mice. keep all the rats. Yeah, yeah, there must have been lots of rats. Um, unused silks, 14 Amazing. pianos, 14 grand pianos. In 14 this home. pianos, <laughs> just in case. <laughs> Two organs and like bundles and bundles Ooh, of newspapers an and magazines. All in all, a total of 120 tons of debris and junk uh, was removed from the home. Everything you just said was not junk. I'm sorry. I w- all those silks, those 1920s silks, do you know how much money they'd be worth today? I would hoard them too. What about the newspapers, the magazines, the baby carriages? No, I would chuck all that away. I don't need that. <laughs> While they were clearing up the house, a crowd of more than 2,000 people stood outside the home to watch the cleanup effort. I would be there going, what can I, st- what can I take from my hoard? <laughs> Bring on the silks, boys. They had like photos of pinup girls from the early 1900s, Ooh. plaster busts, um, rusty bed springs, <laughs> <laughs> child like children's chairs, like high chairs. Um, yeah, just uh, just all sorts of weird stuff. Like, you know, the Model T podge. Ford, uh, two organs, banjos, violins, bugles, accordions, a gramophone with records. <laughs> just, I'm like, liking all, all this, this junk that was coming out of this house. Um, this is weird. Near the spot where Homer died, they found 34 bank account passbooks with a total of $3,007, about 40 grand. Wow. In them, yeah. That they just had. That they just had. They didn't even use. It's kind of strange. Um, a police officer was posted outside the home while they were cleaning it out, waiting for Langley to show up. Uh-oh. Never arrived. Not with his oranges. Yeah. His precious oranges. But then they began to suspect that maybe something nefarious happened to Langley because he never even attended his brother's funeral. And he would have. Well, yeah. He I mean, loved it was his, his brother. brother. loved his brother. Two weeks later, they found Langley Collier's body laying barely 10 feet away from his brother had died. Oh, my God. Langley had triggered one of his own booby traps. Oh, shit, Indiana Jones. <laughs> he was crushed under an enormous load of newspapers and metal boxes. And it looked like he was bringing food. Was it an orange, just a single orange clasped in his hand, in his gnarly, skeletonized hand? It's That's what like I'm some picturing. black bread, some peanut butter, yeah. an orange. Um, no more oranges. <laughs> no orange, Homer. Just one more. <laughs> Um, he was bringing food to Homer through this tunnel that he created, and he, I guess he hit a tripwire. The tunnel collapsed, suffocated him. The brothers died within a few feet of each other, but Homer probably died about a week after Langley. Yeah, you can survive for a while. With, well, without food, you can survive, but obviously you need water or you die. So it was probably Langley's decomposing body that people could that the smell. The tipster smelled, yeah. His crushed body. Yeah. Um, so he had, his death was attributed to asphyxiation. So at this point, the house, having gone so long without any maintenance, was decaying. The roof had leaked. The walls were caving in. 
Um, it was deemed unsafe and a fire hazard. And in July 1947, it was raised. Doesn't surprise me. Um, majority of the items, though, found the home were deemed worthless and disposed of. Uh, but there were salvageable items that fetched about $2,000 at an auction. <laughs> Some of those items sound amazing. I would have them. Well, it's just kind of weird, though. The cumulative estate of the Collier Brothers was valued at $91,000, which in 2020, it's like $1.2 million. That's good. Yeah, of which only $20,000 was personal property like jewelry, cash, and things like that. 56 people, mostly first and second cousins, made claims for the estate. So so that's kind of weird. So they basically had a million dollars. Just sitting there. But that they didn't even use. Just in case. Yeah, I mean, if this kid, if, if this guy wasn't mental, if Langley wasn't, didn't have some kind of mental condition, he could have actually got you know, medical help for his brother. His brother might have been able to live in a home or something. Yeah, know, of course. Some, you know, and and actually, you know, had his needs attended to. But no, but I also imagine that Homer could have been like, put me in a home, brother. Stop giving me these fucking oranges. <laughs> no more goddamn <laughs> oranges. <laughs> uh, there's a woman named Ella Davis uh, from Pittsburgh who claimed to be the long-lost sister of the Colliers. Oh, there's always one of yeah. those. Pops out the woodwork. Her claim was dismissed after she failed to provide a birth certificate. Um... Yeah, so uh, it ended up being that, yeah, mostly uh, the, the people that did split up the estate were all first cousins, second cousins. Well, why did none of them fucking help while the brothers were still alive? I, I don't That's think always were, my question. What I don't the think fuck? the brothers would let them in their home. You could fucking help in some way. I'd just go around and be if like... They hid inside their, their garbage nest. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, try to come in here. Like booby-trapped home. Leave some fucking oranges out for the brother. <laughs> In uh, 1965, the 140-square-meter site became one of New York City's first pocket parks. Yeah. Um, there's all these little parks throughout that area. But uh, for a long time, the Colliers, after, after you know, the, the home was destroyed, and the, the Colliers were a household name. A lot of New York mothers would lecture their kids, get in there, clean your room. It'll look just like the Collier brothers. I never heard that growing up. I never heard that threat. When they, when they see a hoarding house filled with trash, debris, and porcelain <laughs> animals, they call it the Collier's Mansion. Because I'm assuming what you live in. <laughs> so weren't, weren't you telling me that there's a famous, famous British hoarder? There is a very famous British hoarder. I've been He's nonstop funny thinking name. about what's, him. He's called Mr. Trevis. Mr. Trevis. Mr. Trebus. <laughs> so people of a certain age, like my age and older, they'll remember this BBC telly show. It's called A Life of Grime. It was narrated by John Peel. And it ran from like 1999 to 2006. But it was famous because what? of Mr. Trebus. Wait, it was like, oh, it's five years life of grime. The whole thing wasn't about this man. No, but he made this show. Oh. He was the most famous thing. So Mr. Trebus, he was um, conscripted into the Wehrmacht uh, when Germany invaded Poland in 1939. And he was 20 at the time. But he got caught and then he fought alongside Allied, Allied forces until the end of the war. And then he moved over to Britain. And so he's a veteran. Yeah, he's a veteran. Yeah. And then he had five kids over here. He, did, he never really talked about his war experiences, but he was later to uh, compare Harringley Council to the Nazi party. <laughs> so this is already setting up Mr. Trevis. <laughs> so like now, like most hoarders, Mr. Trevis, he started out as a collector. He had collections. Collections of porcelain animals? Well, actually, this, um, this collection that he started... His entire um, hoarding history with is, I also have a collection 
of this. And it was the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Elvis Presley. Oh, wait. So his, his initial collection was all Elvis memorabilia. He loved Elvis Presley. He it's had a stepping all stone. I've always said that. I actually think um, there's a tale that he had a whole wall of Elvis mirrors inside of his house. Don't you have a wall of <laughs> Elvis mirrors? I do. <laughs> so during Life of Grime, Mr. Trebus is in his 80s at this point, and he was living in a very rundown and very full home in Crouch End, North London. So Crouch End is pretty hip. It's pretty it's suburban. It's, it's very, very North London to me. It's above Highgate Cemetery. And he has been living in there since the 1960s when he'd first moved there. Wow, his place must be worth a lot of money. It, yeah, it definitely was. So he started filling the upstairs rooms of this four-story Victorian house with the spoils of his hunts. So he would go through local builders' skips and junk rooms. One room was packed with vacuum cleaners, just full of vacuum cleaners, and another had cameras. That's so the vacuum room going, or the camera room. room. I you can't can relate to this either. one. <laughs> so his five children all grew up and they all moved out, unfucking surprisingly, because they didn't have bedrooms anymore. And now that they had left, he just began to fill up the rooms, floor to ceiling, and they eventually all became inaccessible. See, that's what I don't understand. Because oftentimes, like you, you watch the show Hoarders. It's like usually what happens is like two of the there's like you know three kids. Two of them are like, wow, my parents are fucked, or my dad's fucked, and I'm gonna go. I'm gonna move out and get the fuck away from this hoard. But then there's always one kid that's <laughs> like, weird kid. This isn't a bad idea, actually. I like to keep it. You know, I like to collect things too. I don't mind, you know, shitting in like garbage bags dad you know, i brought you a bad. milk jug <laughs> yeah it's like here's a milk jug we could use this for a toilet um but anyway i mean there's always one kid that stays behind which is weird about his, but this trevis is uh his kids just were like fuck, no, this. fuck this i'm yeah. out and no one tried to help him during this time apart from the council um <laughs> you will definitely get into his disputes with the council so his favorite thing was discarded building materials that's what mr trebus loved and he filled up his garden with them but they were all like carefully arranged he did have an order to his disorder he had washing machines wood pieces of wood motorcycles bicycles they were all in the garden he actually also had an old synthesizer that had once belonged to dave stewart from the eurythmics that was just in his garden in the electronic <laughs> section <laughs> of the garden yeah next to the washing yeah. machines past which the is sponges. sounding great there was that they actually said that there was only one part of his garden that had a spare patch of free land and that was the spot where his wife used to sit in a chair but by 1981 she'd had fucking enough of this and she left Mr. Trebus and then that space in the garden soon filled up. <laughs> he didn't really miss her. So and by 1998 he was living in just a tiny corner of this kitchen, a four-story house, which was also the natural place where he kept his collection of newspapers. They always collect newspapers. newspapers. Do you know what? My dad started collecting newspapers towards the end of his life. He probably would become a hoarder. He said he was going to use them for paper mache. The man never paper macheed anything. Um, He also had to, he also filled it with children's toys. And he had to use ladders to get in and outside of his house because his garden was so filled and so was his house. He had a Jack Russell Terrier named Poppet, which is a delightful name. That dog was pissing and shitting somewhere, but it remains unconfirmed <laughs> where they were. So, Mr. Trevis. At that point, it's a hazard. It's a f- well, we're going to talk about I mean, it's a hazard. There's like probably. Because he didn't rodents. have a bathroom. Yeah, he didn't have a bathroom. Okay, so there you go. So he didn't. He was liked by his neighbors. All these neighbors liked him, but they were obviously living next door to an eyesore. And it, the abundance of rodents that were coming in and out. So, this yeah. is when the local Harringley Council 
um, had they had no choice but to act. They had to come and help clear the garden. So I've got a little clip now from Life of Grime, and it's a councilman who has dealt with the case, and he's like describing the state of the house. In, inside the house is dozens of hoovers, washing machines, fridges, old record players, furniture. He's basically got no water supply. He brings in bottled water. We know for a fact he's using the garden as a toilet. You, know, you go up the back and the stink is... Well, he won't have it, but he's obviously used to it. But you go up the back and around where... Because he can't get into the front, he has to... I'll take your word for that at the back. I wouldn't go up there, it's not very pleasant. You make me so he says that uh, he uses the garden as a toilet. Yeah. But is, that that, is, but is that that big of a deal? I mean, I've pissed outside before. I think he's he's shitting in the garden, D. Did you, sh- did you shit in your garden as well every day? Every Fertilizer. Time? Does he like <laughs> dig a hole and or is it just anywhere? No, I'm sure he's he was a clean, disgusting old man. Yeah, and like, there you just, go. Outhouse. He made his own outhouse. Is it, yeah, it's minging. Imagine living next door to that. The smell on a hot London day. Disgusting. Yeah. So. They're erecting scaffolding around the house. Mr. Truth is not fucking happy. He's fought the Nazis, and now he's fighting the council. So he's at the age of 80. I like his accent. Yeah, <laughs> Polski. He's a tiny man. He's a tiny man as well, and he uses two canes to walk with, and he's scaling scaffolding, and he's, like, tugging at the bolts that is holding it together. So this is, like, another clip of him reacting to the, uh, the council putting up this scaffolding. Why did you come? You know why, Mr. Travis. Let me let me give you a hand to get down. No, it's not your property. I know it's not my property, Mr. Travis. So, keep away from me. You don't take the care of my health. Look, I don't need any help I from can't. you. I can't. I'd sooner drop dead. I feel so bad for the guy from the council. <laughs> I wonder, like, did they draw straws to actually who had to deal with this guy? I fucking bet they did. I don't need your help. I I'd sooner want... drop dead. <laughs> it's like, could you imagine having to deal with that? At that point, it's like, let's just call the fucking Bobbies. Well, so that is what happened. He was arrested because they did have a warrant and it had not been shoved off anyone's ass. And he was released um, several hours later and all he did was return home and he continued arguing with the clearance team about the supposed value of all 515 cubic yards of rubbish that they had removed from his garden. And it took them in total six men, 11 days and 30 skips to clear it all. It was all just total rubbish as well. It's, it's not it's like the colliers who were had hoarding up silks. This is rubbish. Yeah, but at, the, at, at that point, though, their quote-unquote collection would become garbage because their house is in disrepair. I'm sure things are ruined by the weather. Well, yeah, so because of this arrest and his belligerent attitude, he kind of he became a docu-soap hero, and the British public were hooked, totally hooked on Mr. Trevis. I definitely was. I remember him. But were you on Trevis's side? Like, you yeah. know, fuck the council. Fuck him. <laughs> Because so 18 months later, they came back and they did a Mr. Trevis special. So it's a one hour show all about Mr. Trevis. But wait, OK, wait, wait. How did it end? Did they like clear out his house? He had a normal house. No, no, they just cleared out the garden. OK, just and the garden. But the 18, house is still full of garbage. House still full of garbage. So 18 months later, the BBC returned. They did this special and he had not changed. And if anything, he was worse. 
he couldn't even find his television anymore. And he was like so single bloody minded that at 82, his garden was once again completely filled. In 18 months, he'd filled it again. And uh, he actually viewed what the council was doing as a personal vendetta. So I've got a little clip here where the council have to come back to Mr. Trevis and tell him what's going on. Oh, hello, Mr. Travers. I see the gentleman which is the cause of all these troubles. It's about the rubbish again, Mr. Travers. Rubbish? Look, you've done enough damage, and you had enough loot to rob me of. Why do you want to clear? Why don't you go to hell? Right, Mr. Can I ask you one thing? What? I know you don't regard it as rubbish, but why do you want to collect all this stuff in your garden? I've got my rights. Yeah. Right. I fully support your rights, Mr. Trevers, but you cannot collect stuff like this. Yeah, who, t who told you that? Sorry? You can simply come here and, and giving me orders. I was fighting for this country and, I know you were, and Mr. its Travis. freedom, right? And Have you been fighting for it? You wouldn't I'm even... not old enough, Mr. Travers, but I would Look, if, if the call came. Even the Blooming Dad's Army wouldn't let you be their member. Anyway, Mr. Travers, look... I love how he's like, why don't you go to hell? <laughs> what is the, what did you say? Go the Blooming Dad's Army? What is that? Oh, the Dad's Army was like this really stupid um, British sitcom about like just old men in the army. I've never actually watched it. You can tell by the way I'm describing. <laughs> you said you're worse than the Blooming, Blooming Dad's, Dad's Army. army. <laughs> yeah, like in fact, he's throwing the fact. You would not fight for country, but I did. Let me have my milk jugs. <laughs> So you can see, like, when on this special, the council knew the house was falling apart and it was getting to a stage of complete disrepair, just like the Collier brothers. And the kind of question at this point was, like, is the rubbish causing the house to fall down or is the house actually being held up by the rubbish? <laughs> it's probably supported by the garbage. Yeah. yeah. In 2001, the choice was made and Mr. Trebus, he was moved from his hard and he was taken into a residential care home in the same area. He's hoarded up home. It was cleaned, cleared, spruced up. It's been turned into floor flats, which you can rent to this very end. Uh, so people live in, in Trevis's hoarded house. Hoard mansion. You can live there. So I'm going to end talking about Mr. Trevis on this. is my favorite moment from the hour-long special. If you want to watch it, it is on YouTube, and so is Life this of is, Crime. This is like a nostalgia thing for totally. all our British listeners. Totally, I love listeners. Mr. Trevis. Um, so on this hour-long special, I think it sums him up as a hoarding anti-hero perfectly so he's in the care home and the staff go in and check his room and they open up a drawer and inside he has like 20 sugar spoons that he'd stolen <laughs> from downstairs and he, he just still got it he still got he still it got and it. you know what he turns around to the camera and he just gives the camera a really cheeky wink in like a kind of they'll never beat me <laughs> I can't, he's such an old codgy, you can't help but admire him. It's so funny. Is he still alive? No, he died oh. of natural causes on September 29th, 2002, and he has gone down in hoarding history as a fucking hero. To yeah, me, he's, he has. He's a hero hoarder, for sure. Mr. Trevis, his attitude is so funny. But people of my age, it, so you know, like they were saying, the Collier brothers, they would use that as frets. Yeah, yeah. It's totally, if people go, oh God, it's like Mr. Trevis lived here. Uh, people would say that. This yeah. looks like Mr. Trevis's house. Yeah, people of a certain age and older. But Life of Grime <laughs> is a good show. I miss Life of Grime. I have to check that out. So it wasn't until recent, um, actually 2013, that compulsive hoarding was first defined as a mental disorder. That is really recent. Isn't that 2013. crazy? 2013. Wow. Yeah. 
Uh, but psychologists still can't decide whether it's a manifestation of another condition, such as OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder, or if it's just a, a hoarding disorder of its own. It's a big, the brain is a mystery, yeah. David, and we will never fully understand it. To me, it sounds like it's it's an OCD thing. Like you 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 have to hold on to these things. It's some kind of mental condition. It's like, like an have, emotional. Yeah, like you're neurotic if you don't know where everything is. And that's why you keep collecting it. To me, it sounds like that, but maybe it is its own thing. Uh, it's estimated that two to five percent of adults suffer from hoarding. I don't. Not at all. Well, that's that's what that's what I wonder, and that's why this is a cautionary tale, Kate Rambo. Yeah, you know, in my mind, I imagine. Do you ever see that episode of Toast where he goes on the date yeah. with that hoarder chick, yeah. and he has to like climb over this pile of newspapers to get into her room, and she's like sleeping on like a bed of magazines, like on a mattress. I imagine that's what your home looks like. That's... In your fortified bunker, just filled with garbage and porcelain animals and empty milk bottles. Actually, it would be it'd be empty beer bottles and it, wine dem- bottles and whiskey. I aspire <laughs> to get to that level, and maybe in ten more time, ten more years of collecting, I will. You're gonna have a Trevis house soon enough, <laughs> Mr. Trevis. <laughs> love you, Mr. Trevis. <laughs> Uh, people, this is episode 793 here, Sick and Wrong. Got some news stories coming up next. Uh, but first, I want to play this special Patreon promo that came in uh, this past week from Her Highness, Queen Elizabeth. Oh, my word. Greetings, loyal subjects in the UK and in the colonies. I love the Sick and Wrong Patreon. It gives me news stories, extra phone calls, and lots of tips on how to deal with my son Andrew, the sweaty nonce. Anybody found in the UK or the colonies not subscribed to the Patreon will face beheading. Thank you. So the first news story we have here um, has to do with uh, two Louisiana men who are accused of beating a woman's alleged rapist. Oh, I like it. Yeah, vigilantes like here. Yeah, I spit on your grave in a way. But here's the twist. Oh. They then killed her too. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> it's the worst vigilantes. Louisiana woman. Yeah. Mississippi man. <laughs> um, two Louisiana men here are accused of viciously beating and stabbing a woman's uh, alleged rapist before shooting the alleged rapist victim in the head. Right. So they, they hunt down the, uh, the the rapist, they beat him, give him some street justice, and then they kill the girl who was raped. I have to know more. You have to tell me more here. Yeah, God, just like misguided punishers here. Um, they then left her body in an abandoned Navy base to keep her quiet about the violence, um, according to uh, court documents that came out about the brutal crime. Dylan Craddock. He's 27, and Cody Matthews, he's 33, are both facing charges of second-degree murder and the death of a popular Sladell, Louisiana waitress named Brooke Butchler. She's 25. It's a lot of intelligent people in this story. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, probably a lot of meth was involved here. Um, her body was discovered in an abandoned base on August 23rd, uh, just one day after she was reported missing. Um, the men believe that Bushler was a liability after she had witnessed both of them viciously attacking a man that she had accused of raping her. So were they beating up this man because she said he's the one who did it and so they went for him? Or were they just beating him up because they fucking hated him? No, she 
but I'll get to that in a second. Right. But uh, one of the one of the uh, assailants here and the victim are really good friends. Like they grew up together, and she went to him and said, "I got raped by this guy." Help so they're me. like, "We're gonna get him. We're gonna fucking go and kill him. And then we're gonna kill Boy, you." Oh, you gotta purr the mouth. And so yeah, they hunted him down, and uh, yeah, beat the living shit out of this guy. And then because she was there and witnessed it, they killed her because she's a liability. But she wanted this man <laughs> beaten up. That's what, what I'm saying. What the fuck is going on here? Don't try to make sense of things in uh, rural Louisiana, okay? Um, both men are also facing, facing charges of kidnapping and attempted murder in the attack of the alleged rapist. So here's what happened. Days before she disappeared, Bushler had confided in several people that she had been raped by a man that she knew. Uh, Matthews and Cranach allegedly set out to seek retaliation. So Bushler's mother here, Kristen Naquin, she said that Craddock, so he's the older one, 33 years old, Craddock had been really good friends with her daughter since high school and was somewhat like a brother to her. Right. This is kind of like <laughs> the plot to a film, isn't it? Yeah, I guess, sort of. Um, like Gummo 2. <laughs> Um, but he's you know, kind of like, if you ask me, he's like a very overprotective and paranoid brother, but it's just me. So the pair hunted down the guy. And uh, I think actually what happened is they coordinated with Bushler because they, fe- they, they beat him inside of Bushler's apartment. So she must have known the guy. Well, obviously she said she knew him. And uh, she probably arranged for these guys to come up and surprise him in her, in her apartment here. So they beat the man inside of Bushler's apartment. They stabbed him, and then they left him for dead in a remote marshland. He survived. Oh. Yeah, he was taken to the local hospital. So the rapist actually survived. Shit. Investigators said then that Matthews and Craddock both fled to a hotel in St. Bernard Parish. Buchler had reportedly been with them at this hotel on August 21st before she disappeared. It was found dead two days later in the abandoned Navy base. Right. Shit. Um, Craddock's phone records show that he had been in contact with Bushler on the morning of August 21st and appeared in the area where her body was discovered. Oh, they didn't put their phone on airplane mode. Well, they, I don't even know if I would do that. I would just go get a burner phone. Get a burner phone or, yeah, just put your phone onto airplane mode. Turns off I, Google. Um, doesn't Max. matter, though. There's still GPS. Not on airplane mode. That's what you got to do. Put your I think your, G- no, your GPS still works. Is it? Well, yeah. I'm glad I know that. You know, it still does. For the future. <laughs> what you should do is just leave your, your main phone, your iPhone at home. Yeah, leave it in the Just go get a burner motel. phone if you need to have one. Yeah, I just or, see I, wouldn't, I don't even know if I'd leave it in the motel. Because I would probably try to leave it like somewhere somewhere where I'd have a decent alibi. That, yeah, that's clever. Like, I'm Why at the Starbucks. They, they should have gone in front of her in the marshland. Because to me, there's like there's gators. Isn't there gators and crocs out in Louisiana? Well, the rapist survived. Well, he probably doesn't taste good <laughs> to get your in a crop. Oh, maybe. Uh, Craddock's phone also showed that on the morning of August 22nd, he told the mother of his children that he was planning to leave his phone in his mother's home because he's going to be, quote, making a drop. See, there you go. That's you. Uh, <laughs> you could have been doing a drop. making a drop. <laughs> um, multiple witnesses uh, called the Crime Stompers hotline to report that Craddock it said he'd kill Bushler because she'd become a liability that could implicate them in the earlier kidnapping and beating. But she's the one who ordered it. 
Wait, what what it the makes fuck is no going sense. on here? Yeah, they it just makes wanted to absolutely kill her. Absolutely no sense. Why didn't they just say we wanted to kill someone? The other thing too, if you do beat somebody like that, or if you kill somebody, just keep your mouth shut. That's all you gotta do. These idiots always, always tell people about it, yeah. or brag about no, it, or put it on themselves. TikTok, or yeah. do something stupid like TikToks. that. TikToks. Um, while behind bars, uh, police said Matthews. I was recording a jailhouse phone call telling someone he was present when Craddock killed Buchler. So there, there you go. They're already Snitched. flipping on each other. Yeah. yeah. Um, the additional second-degree charge, uh, murder charges for Buchler's death were added on October 1st. Uh, Buchler's family described the waitress as a free spirit. Oh, they always fucking do. Who loved the TV series Game of Thrones. I'm waiting for it. I'm waiting for her smile to light up the fucking room. It often got tattoos of literary quotes. Oh, shit. Planets. Or lotus flowers. Do you think she had Uranus? <laughs> planets. Like, what kind of planet tattoo? She's you definitely got, like, a got, solar system? Nah, she's got Uranus. <laughs> she probably I'd love does. to know what literary Harry Potter quotes she's got. That's what I'm wondering. Like, what literary quotes does she have on her body? Yeah. I'm hoping it was uh, James Joyce um, from the compilation of his selected letters to his future wife, Oh, the fucking body. <laughs> I got a couple quotes here. here we this go. is in my mind in a perfect world. This is the tattoo. This is on what this your future body. wife will have tattooed on her somewhere. I'm not making these up. This is actually James we, from letters James Joyce wrote to his future wife, Nora Barnacle. Quote You had an arse full of farts that night, darling, and I fucked them out of you. <laughs> Big fat fellows, long windy ones, quick little merry cracks, and a lot of tiny little naughty farties. Ending in a long gush from your hole. <laughs> That's a literary quote. That's totally what your future <laughs> wife has tattooed on her, like, her shoulder somewhere. Number two. <laughs> Fuck me if you can, squatting in the closet with your clothes up, grunting like a young sow doing her dung, and a big, fat, dirty, snaking thing coming slowly out of your backside. <laughs> Such a, so <laughs> romantic, James. I got one more. You want me to do it? Yeah, All right. definitely. I was only going to do two, but no, just, one more. because Kate's so into this. One more. One more. <laughs> At every fuck I gave you, your shameless tongue came bursting out through your lips. And if I gave you a bigger, stronger fuck than usual, fat, dirty farts came spluttering <laughs> out of your backside. They sounded perfect. James and Nora together forever. You know, he, she probably had like a Twilight quote or something. <laughs> but in my mind... That would have been perfect. I also agree. Her godmother, Rhonda Dallimore, told the news um, that a month before her goddaughter's death, Bushler had gotten involved with a man she met while on vacation in Florida. Oh, he's a Floridian. But the relationship had soon turned dark, sparking this deadly series of events. Quote, She just let everybody have a chance, and I'm afraid she met somebody who shouldn't have it, said Dallimore. Everybody got a free ticket to board that train. <laughs> R- Rhonda's basically saying her goddaughter was a whore. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, she just let everybody have a chance. Everybody had a chance. <laughs> you know, she acted like she was a size two, but really she was a size eight. <laughs> just get on board that train. Um, both men have pleaded uh, not guilty to attempted murder and kidnapping charges in the first case. It's not clear whether they have entered a plea at this point to the murder charge against them. The trial continues, I imagine. Yeah. 
What is the second story here, Kate Rambo? I am going to massacre all these names. I do apologize. I can't speak Arabic. Uh, I am ignorant, so no one no one get at me. But it's about a few people sent this story in and they put it on the page. And it's that uh, Iran has been stunned by the case of a couple who drugged and dismembered their son. Ooh, you don't, you don't, you don't, we don't do too many stories from Iran. Yeah, sorry, I like this one. I and it's like, also parents murdering their son. son. That's also atypical. And their son is kind of famous. In hmm. Iran. Oh, filmmaker, huh? Yeah, so the parents have admitted murdering filmmaker Babak Koramadin, Koramdin, and to killing, also killing their daughter and son-in-law many years before. They're just killing their family. Are they serial killers? Well, they've, they've what's it called? They're pa- patriciding and matriciding the family. It's like John List is here in Iran. I guess. I mean, if you think about it, Wear a condom or get an abortion. You don't have to deal with this years just later. Like, oh, just like, you know, don't like um, dismember them. Just like don't speak to them ever again. Don't have them around for holidays. Yeah, but I mean, it just seems like so futile to raise them for 18 years, spend all this money and then just murder them. Oh, wait, they're older than 18. Yeah, but I all mean, they, but they spent all that. I'm sure at 18, they might have moved out of the house, but they spent all this time nurturing and raising these kids just to murder them years later. It is Seems like an exercise in futility. Well, they could face the death penalty for drugging, murdering, dismembering their filmmaking son. So um, Babak was 47 when he died. His murder was discovered um, in the early hours of last Sunday morning. And they were called to the, the police were called to the Tehran suburb of, oh God, I'm so sorry, Ekbatatan, (laughs) after someone spotted human body parts in a bin. So, um, they're all there, and this is all being read out to the court. So the police found human remains, including two hands. So they used the fingerprints to identify the victim. And then they went to um, uh, Babak's parents' house. So his parents is a man by the name of um, Aran Koramadin and Akbar um, Koramadin, 74 and 81, respectively. So they're old codgers. You should be an Iranian news correspondent. Please stop. You're so good with these names. Why do I always say, I'm like, oh, I'm going to do this story. And it's like just Japanese names. And they just can't fucking spell. I'm sorry. So they told police that they'd use sleeping tablets to knock their son out before suffocating, stabbing him, and cutting up his body. I mean, 74 and 81, cutting up a body. Stabbing a body is hard work, let alone then cutting it up. Or at least it's something they do together. As a, it's as a, a bonding as a ritual. Yeah, you know, it's a, but that's the thing. Husband and wives today usually live separate lives, especially that age after years of marriage. But they, they have a union, a strong union. They do. Even though it's a, you know... Bit, a uh, sick union. Yeah, it's it a bit devious, but hey, you know they're. they're, they're who's the American the old couple? Was it the Copelands who had heads in their freezers and they were just like murdering everyone? Should I, I'll do were them they, on were overkill they one time. Yeah, they were married. No, but I mean, did with the victims related? No, they were just like an old oh. old couple killing together. Yeah, it's a bonding. Geriatric serial killers. So the couple, when they were taken into custody, they just confessed immediately. They had also said that they killed their son-in-law 10 years previously, and then they killed their daughter three years ago in the exact same manner. Um, social media in Iran has been focusing on, like, why? Why had so their cu- this couple disappeared and nobody's been fucking looking for them? What I don't understand is, so they killed the son-in-law 10 years ago, Yes. And they killed the daughter just three years, three years ago. ago. What did they tell the daughter about the son-in-law? I imagine they probably used fear to control her. Oh, yeah. 
Who knows? So regardless of what the father is claiming is right or not, it is clear that the police were negligent to not investigate the fate of the two missing um, people. So that's the daughter, Arizero, and her husband. So that, that this case is now like stunned around where it's been splashed across the front pages of newspapers with headlines including society in shock. And so what was the uh, son, the filmmaker, about to make a documentary about the disappearance of his sister and, oh, and brother-in-law? Oh, that's the plot twist, maybe. Yeah, so I wonder what happened they killed here. him. No, they, um, the dad, the dad gets heavily into why he killed them. Um. They, I mean, they're looking at facing um, a minimum of 10 years in jail, but they're totally going to get the death penalty. They, and they fucking kill gets, you in Iran. You get a death penalty for, like, I don't know, wearing, like, a skirt that's, like, knee-high there, don't you? you yeah, you can. And like, they, they do kill you in Iran. They string, they take you to the top of a crane and they hang you off. It's a public spectacle. If you're gay, you don't they watch. throw you off the roof of a building? Yeah, no fucks given. This couple will die, probably. Especially what happens it's if been you in... masturbate in public? Is that something you do frequently? I'm just saying, is that death too? I think you should go out to Iran and try that and see what happens to you. <laughs> I think they would just kill And then I can being... feature the your case on here. <laughs> so the parents claimed that they had killed the son-in-law because he was abusive. Um, and then she, he had gotten their daughter addicted to drugs. So they murdered their daughter because she was addicted to drugs. Oh, that's a deterrent. And they say that they killed their son. Because he was single at the age of 47 and he'd been having relationships with um, students. So the dad in the court hearing, he told the reporters that he had no regrets. I don't regret what I did with the cooperation of my wife. They were corrupted and I thank God. Wow. They're wacky, aren't they? (laughs) No regrets here. Just murdered my family. So how they did it together, this nice couple's bonding moment, the mother had initially drugged her son, and it was a Friday night. His mother had cooked chicken, very delicious chicken, I would imagine, and she had poisoned it so that he would, the son would become unconscious. But he didn't eat the chicken that night. He went to his room and he slept, so he put the food in the refrigerator. He woke up the next morning, and guess what he's hungry for? Some poison chicken. Some poison chicken, yeah. So the, so the, the parents are probably frustrated because they're just like, like oh, I thought we are going to do it tonight. I was ready to kill tonight. Yeah, we got to wait, yep. So the son passed out at about 5 p.m. And uh, the dad, Akbar, he tied up his feet to a chair and then he put a black plastic bed bag on his head and he stabbed him several times. They both carried the body to the bathroom, cut it in two pieces, put the body parts in three suitcases and distributed them around the city. This is like, they're it's brutal, healthy. though. It's brutal the but way they did it. Yeah, so like, much hard work. Imagine cutting just, up your fucking yeah, but son. He was, he was unconscious. Could they just slit his throat in the bathtub? That would have actually been a way better idea, and it's probably a way easier cleanup than just yeah, stabbing wh- him in the heart. Why stab him in a chair, put the black you know, sack over his head? I don't understand why they would do that. I would probably tie him to a chair in the bathroom, where it's going to be easier cleanup, and still slit his throat in the bathroom, but with it tied to a chair. Just because it's nicer. I would put him in the bathtub and just slit his throat. Yeah. I would keep him tied, though, just in case. Well, no, I'd keep him tied up. up. He'd be unconscious, slit his throat, maybe stab him through the heart or something. See, I'm trying to avoid stabbing through the heart because getting through those rib bones is really difficult. So unless you know what you're doing, like, just slit the the throat. Maybe stab the throat a little. I guess. I mean, you just take a screwdriver and a hammer. We would be the worst at murdering someone. (laughs) (laughs) We'd just be there going, take him to the bathroom. Why don't you take him to the bathroom? Slit his throat. Don't you slit his throat. So they say... Um, 
The court officials have said that the parents seemed um, largely of sound mind, but they obviously need to investigate further. They need to find, like, um, in- information about the, the fucking death of their daughter and son-in-law. Sound mind. They are also, great detectives there in Iran. <laughs> they are also reportedly looking into whether any other family members might be missing in suspicious circumstances, because it seems like they're, they'll kill you. You go around to their house and you upset Akbar, that's it. You're on the naughty list, and he will get you. Wow. Parents who kill together stay together. Well, they obviously did, and now they will. They'll probably die hanging from a crane together. Film students, they've been paying tribute to Badakam Karamadin with one message reading, goodbye to the world's kindest teacher from all your cinema students. He sounds like a player, though. That guy was like yeah, shagging, shagging his, his students. students. The age of forty-seven. He's totally that type of professor, isn't he? You know who he kind of reminds me of? Um, Donald Sutherland in Don't Look Now. Oh, yeah, I mean, I guess if I had podcasting students, <laughs> <laughs> who would ever want to go and study podcasting? Jesus. D. Simon's podcasting class. Oh, who would ever go to a podcasting event convention or to a podcasting class? I can't think of my my vagina just went super dry then. Went as dry as a run. This is a microphone. <laughs> <laughs> would you do like only would you be like Bill Murray and Ghostbusters and you just only have hot girls attending? Your yeah, I would class? I would probably try to pick out the students. I would definitely wear one of those uh you know, one of those like tweed jackets with like the Oh with leather, the leather patches. Yeah, the leather patches. Would you be really mean to all the boys in the class, but even when a dumb girl says something you'd be like well cindy you are correct the boys would be in the back of the class put it that way (laughs) i love this stereotypical (laughs) podcast i mean it's it's you know i've been a podcast podcaster for many years you know a lot of experience here if you want to sign up for my class there's certain rules (laughs) certain (laughs) etiquettes you have to abide by uncle d's podcasting class wacky podcasting class wacky podcasting (laughs) This is going too far, dude. Too far. People, uh, send your stories. Stick around podcast, gmail.com. We got some phone calls coming up next. A, uh, a special email that came in front to our uh, to Discord, I think. Was it Discord it? or Patreon? No, Patreon. Came in on Patreon. Yes. Um, but before we get to that, uh, here's a word from Adam and Eve. It's butt plug month on adamandeve.com. Show that you still care by bringing something new into the bedroom. And by something new, I mean a butt plug. Because if you order right now and use coupon code DIDDLE, you get 50% off your first item, a gift so sensual I can't even tell you about it on this podcast that talks about murder and bukkake, and on top of all of that, free shipping. Support Sick and Wrong by supporting our sponsor, adamandeve.com, and making a purchase with coupon code DIDDLE. That's D-I-D-D-L-E. So we got a few phone calls to get to. 323-522-4032 is that number. Remember, keep it under three minutes. Uh, you don't have to actually just call the hotline. You can always email us, sickandroundpodcastgmail.com. Or uh, lately, a lot of people, i.e. Kiki, have been sending us uh, messages on uh, Facebook. So you can do that, too. Um, the first call we got here is from uh, Allison. Oh, I love Allison. Calling in about the boozing barber. Hey guys, it's Allison in Rhode Island. I just listening to the Boozy Boozy Barber episode, and I just have two comments, really quick. So the first one is you mentioned something that um, it was binge drinking with Jordan, 
And it, I thought immediately to myself that this is probably some kind of um, a cable public access um, <laughs> program. Something that looks like this guy in glasses and a nondescript shirt. Wait, boozing with Jordan? Yeah, I think I could totally see it being like a Vice show where it's just this like fucking hip cunt called Jordan and he's you boozing with him, you're making cocktails and stuff like that. I could see that being a show. It kind of reminds me of, what was that, like Drunk People at History or something? Did you ever see that? No. It's I kind of hate it, but it's like this comedian guy gets really drunk with other comedians and they try to retell something a story from history. Okay, yeah. It's a right when you're not drunk and you're listening or being surrounded by drunk people, you really want them all to die. So I, I would never watch that show. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's awful. But yeah, I kind of like this idea. I, I picture like a Canadian guy doing boozing with Jordan, eh? Hey. You know, hey. hey. Just boozing with Jordan. <laughs> it just sounds like an ought to be a cable access show. And the second comment I have is... He looks like Ron Swanson or something from Parks and Rec. Yeah. He's Bloody just... boozing with Jordan. Just me drinking idea. Castle Mine <laughs> for hours on end. On the word... Chorizo. So... Ooh. Dee says chorizo. Kate says chorizo. And I just wanted to let you know, here in the lovely state of Rhode Island, we say chorizo. Anyway. What? Cherise. Keep it wrong. Love you guys. Cherise sounds um, like a stripper. Just, uh, keep going. Have a great one. Bye. Oh, I love Allison. <laughs> Wait, well, what, what about the O? Cherise. Yeah, Cherise does Charisse. sound like a stripper or like a truck stop hooker. But I just don't get like you. There's a there's another there's a vowel at the end of that. Yeah. So even if you said like I could see an American saying pronunciation now, saying like Cherizo. I can see that. Like, it sounds like a white American thing to say, but I mean, it, but, but there's an O. So, but you're just saying Charisse. It's like you're you're missing a vowel. Yeah. Where did the O go? Did it get lost in Rhode Island on the way there? Got left on the boat? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> like, it, it makes Charisse. no sense. <laughs> I really like this Charisse you've brought over. <laughs> yeah, I love Allison. You know, obviously, it's not a competition. I love all the listeners, um, but I love some listeners more, and I love Allison more. You know, I might actually just say fuck this podcast and just start up like a, a just a YouTube show, just boozing with D, and you just see me get really, really, really drunk. Yeah, and like just... talking about like how horrible the Jews are treated through history. Well, that's true. <laughs> I yeah, I'd probably watch that for like five minutes. <laughs> just me every week, just getting really <laughs> drunk, saying like, you know. You should have more sympathy for Jews because the Holocaust, just over and over again. Just you in a t-shirt that just says six million. You get to the point where you're so drunk you can't talk, you're just pointing at your chest. And I'm going to try to like play some obscure record that no one gives a shit about and be like, this is why this this is, this is matters. This is why you people know nothing of music. These wacky records. <laughs> That's a good idea. I think it might be really <laughs> successful. Anyway, um... Here's Warwick Davis actually with a cool. with a yeah he called in with a story about uh, his Turkish wife. Oh. Do you think Warwick Davis's wife is normal size? It, no, she's a dwarf like him. I've seen pictures. Yeah, Turkish dwarf. <laughs> Turkish delight. Hi guys, Warwick here again. Um, hope you well. 
you were recently talking about your experiences in Turkey. So uh, as my wife's Turkish, I thought I'd give you a toot about that. After we got married, uh, obviously I had to go over there and meet her family. So uh, as soon as we arrived in her village, her dad came to, to meet us and uh, yeah, none of the rest of the family speaks any English at all. So all smiles and awkwardness. But anyway, this is like that show 90 Day Fiance, but they have like a offshoot called 90 Days Before 90 Day Fiance. Okay. Have you ever seen that? Uh, no, but I am aware of it through memes and popular culture. So the, the show 90 Days Before 90 Day Fiance is when like it shows the, the, like the guys meet this girl in like Brazil or whatever. And she's like, you know, in some like very rural remote area, the Amazon jungle. And they travel like all the way. It's like some dork from uh, like Idaho traveling all the way out to like the remote jungle area of Brazil to go meet this girl. No one speaks English. And then the guy like meets the parents and like they don't even know what he's saying, but they're like, you could just take her because you're going to give her a better life. Then what were you gone? Yeah, I wonder if it was a similar situation with Warwick, if they're just like, he might be a dwarf, but, you know, he's a famous. Well, she's a dwarf also. So he's, you know, take our dwarf and daughter. Take our dwarf daughter. I guess that makes sense. Like, you (laughs) know, he's a a famous dwarf. He's from England. It's just like she'll live a better life in old Blighty. uh, Yeah, I didn't know she was Turkish. Like, I wonder how long, like, they were in a long distance relationship for all. Because that's like quite a long way, like UK to Turkey. And it's like there's a lot of cultural differences, too. It's not like American and like British. We guys can like skip through a field <laughs> holding hands, like you know that's part of our culture. But there's a lot of differences with Turkey, and plus, like Americans can like speak like a British person really easily. Yeah. Whereas, like, it'd be hard for Warwick to be like, I'm, I'm going to learn Turkish, some Turkish all of a sudden. You know, <laughs> we just have to like pinch our nose back. Hello, Governor. <laughs> it's, it's not that hard to be British. It, I can transform in seconds. Tallyho. <laughs> Got any fish and chips at the chippy? <laughs> Just pinch your nose. The, the ten minute walk back to their uh, their apartments. Um, her dad held my hand, this big hairy bloke holding my hand all the way back, which was a, a nice warm welcome. God, I wish you had a picture of that. <laughs> holding the dwarf's just hand. A, just big, massive Turkish man just holding holding Warwick's little dwarf hand. Um, and then he's actually got five brothers. So we went straight into the apartment, straight into these five big, hairy Turkish blokes. No English. A little old me <laughs> smiling away. And so went to say hello to the first one. And uh, big, mwah, mwah, big kisses and a big hug. So, yeah, oh, that's nice. Uh, and I had to go around five... Uncles, obviously, so kiss, kiss, hello, kiss, kiss. Do you think Warwick slipped in the tongue? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the Turkish special. <laughs> the Turkish delight. <laughs> he smoked kebab. <laughs> hello, bit awkward, but anyway. And then obviously all these uh, all these guys are all married, so went in to uh, give the, the first wife a kiss because we're all... We're all like that over there, you know. That's just how we are. <laughs> Went in for the kiss. And then, like, she pulled away, and everyone was like, whoa, whoa. <laughs> like it was a sex <laughs> or something. 
obviously. You know. What a pervert. I can't believe he was trying to kiss the woman. Don't you kiss my brother's wife, you bitch. But he's kissing everybody. Did he Jesus. kiss their pets? Like Jesus, an, Warwick. An orgy is about to break out in this apartment. Keep your tongue in your mouth, dude. <laughs> you dwarf tongue. Do you think he had to stand on a chair? <laughs> yeah, kiss the dwarf. <laughs> it's totally my favorite game at a party. Kiss the men. You can't kiss the women. Oh, no. <laughs> so, so that was fun. Uh, and then it is quickly on to the, the toilet situation. They had like a, a Western-style toilet, and then they, they also had the hole-in-the-floor toilet. And I thought, well, you know, when in Rome, give it a try. So I, uh, I thought, well, you've got these two handrails, like two bits where you put your feet and then a big hole in the ground. So drop me. Okay. No, uh, before you even ask if I would ever use the hole, no. I'm not doing it. I know you would, but I'm not. I only did it once in Turkey, and I didn't have to shit. I just pissed in the hole. But it was I only went to one, because every place I went in Turkey had a Western toilet. Except we went to like one cafe and they had the hole in the ground. I just pissed in the hole. But if I I was given the choice, I don't think I'd use the hole. I would never use it. Do you know what? Because you see the horror. It's in horror films. It's a horror film trope. There's someone living in that hole. Yeah, I would, just, Every time. I would think there would be like a hand coming up it's to diddle gonna, my balls. <laughs> you'd like that. <laughs> Free treat. I'll try and, try and go for it. So drop, drop my number two in there. It's fine. <laughs> but I don't, don't know how your plumbing works. But for me, after I finished a number two, waterworks immediately kicks in. So I was like, yeah, having a piss, holding onto these two handrails, look down. And just because of how you are and because I've not got the Turkish technique of getting down low enough and the angle right, I was just pissing all down the back of my trousers. (laughs) (laughs) That was a a, a one and only. I used the westernized toilet after that and I knew my place. I managed to get a full phone call in in three minutes. So I'm impressed with myself. Keep smiling, guys. Cheers. I love how he actually had to go number two and he he used the hole. Yeah, that's very brave of him. I wouldn't, I never would. Okay, my question is, did you pull your, like, take your pants off completely? Or did you pull, because you'd have to pull them down really I, far. Because wouldn't you be worried that you might get a tip in your trousers? Me out thinking, like, there are people out there in the world who have to take that, who have to get naked to take a shit. But I'm not pulling, like, my trousers all the way off to take a shit. What, what, I, what I wonder, though, is do they take their pants off? To take the shit, or do they just pull them down? But pull them down really far. They must pull them down really far. I would be really nervous that, like, a little piece or something would fall into my, like, the back of my pants. Yeah. Because then what do you do? (laughs) Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like, you know. I believe I spend my free time talking about (laughs) so much shit. (laughs) Literally. (laughs) But, you know, he's a brave man, this Warwick Davis. He is, and I love Warwick again. I love all listeners equally, but I love Warwick a little bit more. It makes sense that he would use the hole, because to climb up on the Western toilet Oh, my God. Yeah, it would be really difficult. And the hole, I mean, if I was him, I would have been scared of falling down that hole. (laughs) You know, when uh, in Turkey, I remember the, the bathroom that had the hole... They had this disgusting brush that you used to like move the Don't. turds that missed the hole in the Mingin. hole. Yeah. Disgusting. No, I just remember the bin bags full of fucking toilet paper shit. That's all I remember. I was like, we're getting out of here. We have to get out of here right fucking now. 
I still, I still don't understand. My white privilege kicked in in that very second. <laughs> I still, still don't understand. If you have a Western toilet, why do you need the toilet that's a hole in the ground? It's traditional, baby. It's traditionally Turkish. It, you know, it keeps us to our roots. But I wonder if like, Turkish people are like, I won't use a Westerner toilet. <laughs> no, this is not I'm a proud me. Turkish man. <laughs> no, I want the hole. Hey, they say squatting's supposed to be better for your digestive system. They do. It's supposed to encourage you. But no, give me the throne any fucking day. It was good enough for Elvis to die on. It's good enough for me. Thank you there, Warwick Davis. That was a a very enlightening story. Uh, Next call we have here is, remember that guy that had the Minjury experience? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, Kate didn't quite understand a lot of things about female biology. No, I didn't. You had yeah. to become a um, scientist. No, I had to um, explain, Simon. you know, how uh, women's, uh, you know, downstairs plumbing works. How a vagina looks works. like, because yeah. I've never seen a vagina up close. <laughs> um, so this guy calls in and says that we're both rotundos, basically. That's not surprising. Hey, up, DK. It's the uh, bloke running about the injury. So my mate heard it, uh, rang, rang me, told me. So I have a listen, so I did, obviously. What did you call this guy, Mr. Minge? Mr. Minge. Mr. Minge. Mr. Minge. Mr. Minge. <laughs> um, so I'm ringing back now because you want a bit more info. First off, Kate, but the uh, special brew was never fucking 5.8. It was always 9%. It's 7.5 now. Oh, shit. But, yeah, uh, we drink Orange Boom now because it's fucking uh, 8.5 still. And it's only 150 a can, so that's right. Fucking 9%. Yeah, I've never... I've, n- I've only had, like, special brew, like... I've had a sip out of mate's cans, but I've never, like, gone out my way to buy it. It's fucking loopy juice. Yeah, how many can you drink before you're just on your ass? Well, it depends how fucked up you want to get. <laughs> Keep it short and sweet. So, um, with the uh, injury, uh, you didn't. It seems to know where I was fucking putting it. It's not in the fucking clit hood, is it? You know what I mean? I might be a fucking moral. I'm not that fucking bad, right? So, labia, the fucking the frilly bit, the kebab, the fucking lettuce. Whatever you want to say. Well, next to it, the beefy bit I was on about, and the crease. The beefy bit's the outer labia. I looked it up. The beefy bit is just another fucking labia. It's just Aye. the fat one. And uh, the little crease in between the frilly bit and the fucking bit you can pinch. That. Wait a second. I'm still confused. So we're talking about the bacon strips. The bacon strip, yeah, the f- the ham bits. Okay, like the roast beef flutters. Yes, and, the, yeah, the curtains. The roast beef flutters. <laughs> the, jo- <laughs> the JoJo special. <laughs> That's what we're talking about. All right, that makes a lot more sense. But the crease, crease where? That's where the split happened. Um, turns out- I think it's the split between like the actual outer labia and the inner labia. You're gonna have to like show me on the on Pornhub later. You know, there's like kind of like it looks like like a like a sandwich bun, like a hot dog bun. Yeah, and then inside that's where you get the bacon frillies. Uh huh. So what I think happened it's- where the 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 thin meets the fat? Yeah. Okay. That's where it happened. Didn't actually have stitches in it. They tried to fucking. I've spoke to her um, since since the last time I rang in. I've Thank got... you. She must have had some some beefy labia though. This guy's a good caller because he's like, we've had questions and he's gone and done a little investigation for us to answer I know, I these questions. I kind of feel like he should have like an anatomy class or something. Well, yeah, <laughs> um, I would like him to send in a picture of where exactly the. It doesn't have to be a graphic picture. I mean, he can draw it on a napkin. And send it in. Don't. You, know, you know he kind of sounds like I'm blanking on his name, but uh, remember that movie uh, 
uh, Spain. It was a gangster movie. Sexy Beast. Sexy Beast. It Ray really Winston. Like Ray Winston. Ray Winston. I think. Right, girl. I picture Ray Winston giving like a female anatomy course. Oh, that's pretty cool. We can start calling him Ray Ray Minchson. <laughs> Ray <laughs> Minchson. Ray Minchson. <laughs> And we're still mates since we're at Christmas and that. So she, um, oh yeah, where was I? Yeah, yeah. So yes, um, didn't no stitches. It were um, uh, another nurse tried to put an anaesthetic directly into it. She oh. with her, so that didn't work. Oh. Well. And then um, another nurse drew up. They were putting her into to have the stitches. This is where my memory's fucked because putting her to have the stitches. And uh, but didn't she didn't actually have the stitches because the surgeon looked at the picture we drew and where it was and said, you can't fucking stitch that. It'll stitch to the muscle and all this. Oh. And so no stitches. Um, and we said, go fucking see a gynecologist. So we went to see a fucking gynecologist. And they were like, no, you just need to fucking uh, let it heal. But um, you'd get some morphine and shit because it's... Do you know what I mean, we're going to be painful. It's like it's going to swell up. It's you're not going to be able to even walk properly for a bit. It's, it's going to be a fucking uh, yeah. I could even imagine you could walk normally. You definitely would be walking like John Wayne for a couple of weeks. Yeah, like uh, you could, and you wouldn't be wearing like the tight jeans that you wear. Oh, disco pants. Yeah, you couldn't be doing that. Did no. I tell you so? One of my uh, mates, she was shaving her pussy because she had a hot date. And she accidentally sliced into her labia. Ooh. And Ooh. she said Had she would, hurt. yeah, it fucking hurt. And she saw like the piece of skin and the fucking razor. And she had to wear like um, <sighs> uh, basically a sanitary towel. She had to wear a pad for like a whole week because it would just like bleed. Oh. Just like but sporadically I mean, how, bleed. How long did it take to heal? It healed like pretty fast. But, you know, sometimes she would like, yeah, move cross her legs in a certain way and pinch it and then it would just start pissing blood again. Oh, God, that's yeah. gotta hurt. She doesn't shave her pussy anymore since then. Wow, she's got like full on like Northern England it. wolf pussy. But like, you know, the day well, like the days of like where, you know, when it was all Brazil Brazilians and even like every girl ever was taking all her pubes away. I think those days are like, long gone now, thankfully. Uh, no, I don't mind the little Hitler mustache, but that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, it turns out that the fucking um, the lass that gives her basically gives her the morphine the prescription turns out to be someone we met at a party like a couple of weeks before. Nice. And no one I know, but someone she knew. But it's just one of those things. I spoke to her, and that's uh, that's how it came out. But yeah, it's a re- real life thing, and it was a complete fucking mess. Um, <laughs> but no stitches, <laughs> just um, just a big gaping gaping fanny wound. But yeah. Um, Oh, I'll tell you what, quick one. I'll ring back with this one because I'm almost out of time. I'm having um, a battle with a fucking mental fundamentalist Christian who doesn't like my graffiti because it's satanic. <gasps> and so he's writing, Jesus loves you and everything. Fucking, um, I'll give, give people his Instagram so you can troll him. But yeah, next time. In a bit. Uh, keep it sleazy, cunts. Ray Minchton, I must know about how you were having a graffiti battle. I've got to know more about this. Yeah, I'm very interested to hear. Like, <laughs> what kind of graffiti battle? Like, are you, is he tanging over your graffiti or are you tanging no, over his. his graffiti? Yeah, and what, like, how can, if he's like a good Christian, he shouldn't be like defacing public property. Should well, he? I just wonder if, like, uh, he's like tagging something, the guy writes, Jesus loves you on top of what he's. Graffiti. Oh, and he's right, no, Satan loves you. 
Yeah, I just wonder what kind of... Uh, this sounds like a good war. That's brilliant. I've always... Because like I think Banksy is so fucking overrated and I hate his artwork. I've always wanted to go and deface them. <laughs> just to upset the Guardian readers. They'd be so upset about it. I want to hear about this. You got to ring, ring back there, uh, Ray. Um, people, uh, you can call the Sigmar Hotline, 323-522-4032. Uh, we did get this email that came in on uh, the Patreon from uh, from a nurse... A naughty nurse. A naughty uh, nurse. Uh, we were trying to find a good name for her, and the, the only thing we came up with was uh, people my age might remember this, but probably people older than me. But the nurse from MASH, she's a blonde lady from MASH, Major Margaret Hot Lips Houlihan. So uh, we're going to call her Nurse Hot Lips. Yeah, thanks for sending a message, Nurse Hot Lips. So about, cool. about the stoma. Remember we were talking about yeah, stomas? Yeah, we, we did a news story on the Patreon about stoma, and we had questions. Well, it was mainly me who had questions about like the colostomy bag. So this is what Nurse Hot Lips has sent in. So the colostomy pouch is completely separate from the person. There are some fancy, some fancy ones vary, but generally there is an adhesive piece with a barrier that protects and attaches to the skin, as well as a ring that attaches to the bag. You cut the adhesive to fit around the stoma. There's no tubes involved. Also, it depends on the placement of where the colostomy was made, but almost all of them cannot control their bowel function. So the sooner you detach the bag, the sooner you better put one on. Fuck that. Also... This story reminds me of this frequent patient we have who is a very well-known hooker in the area. She has one and definitely uses it to her advantage in her industry. They call her Pouch Patty. Uh. So then I had to know more about Pouch Patty and we started to wait, talk wait, about wait. that. She's a, she's a hooker in the community and she has one of these... She has a colostomy. She has a colostomy bag and she uses it uh-huh. as part of her repertoire. She does. So I was asking her questions about Pouch Party, and then she says, Pouch Party is such a nasty hoe, but I definitely <laughs> give her due credit for being innovative, innovative in using her uniqueness in such a competitive market. No bending over required. <laughs> and this is the best bit. I love this line. I've never before seen anyone before or after her have STDs specifically in their colostomy stoma, though. That uh. is something. Pouch fucking Patty, and <laughs> she's out there. She's getting uh, her, her, what, her fifth hole filled. So wait a second. D- dudes are just coming in the stoma. In her stoma. And like, so right, now I understand stoma's a little bit better. It is just there. It's, it's just a like a gateway a to your fucking yeah, intestine. To your colon. You're right into your colon. So she's letting fucking men stick their hard fucking boners and coming. Wait, do they, they don't fuck the stoma. They fuck the stoma. They fuck the stoma. They fuck the stoma. It's the forbidden fifth hole. Yeah, I was about to say, let me see. There's one, two, three. What is this? The fourth hole? Is it the fourth hole? Yeah. Wait. <laughs> Are you counting your ears? <laughs> my ears and my nostrils as holes. Wow. God. The Pouch other, party, man. the She's other brown hole. Uh, thank you, there, uh, Nurse, Nurse Hot, Hot Lips. Lips. People, if you are a big fan of the show and you want to show a little love here to your favorite podcrafters, best way you can do this is sign up for the Patreon. I know we talk about this every week, but that is, uh, you know, by doing that, supporting the arts, you keep the show going. And we're not just asking for you to give like a donation. What we want is, you know, you give a little and you get a lot from the Sick and Wrong Patron. And we're giving away, I mean, we're giving so much more than we ever used to. I mean, just at the $5 level, five bucks a month, you get an extra story, you get phone calls, and you get outtakes. Uh, This week, we did a a new story about a married man who uh, woke up to a drunk munter, a drunk, naked munter, giving him a blowjob. 
Um, we also, uh, in the outtakes, there's some, uh, uh, um, Kate went into uh, very, very much detail, a lot of detail, almost too much detail about how ups- upset she was about the movie Shape of Water. Oh, f- fuck you for making me watch that fucking piece of trash movie. So much detail about how much I'm she hated it. Very angry in those outtakes. Maybe that's just a five bucks a month. You give a few bucks more, then not only do you get their bonus episode, our mini episode, Sick and Wrong Overkill, just week Kate did, Kate did it about a, uh, the Freaky Feet Collectors. Um, Jerry Brudos, Dayton Leroy Rogers, gave a shout out to Ted Bundy and the Rotherham Shoe Rapist. All the all high canon there, all very classy men. That yeah, it's like, like to a run full into. bonus episode. Um, but also at that level, you get the uh, the sick and wrong news mm. segment. And this this week we had some great stories. Uh, there's a secret code word that cabin crews use to signal when they think you're attractive. You can find that find out about that word. Also, a uh, a gym was evacuated after a terrible fart from a woman caused another woman to throw up. And Kate was so drunk and belligerent that entire segment. At one point, I'm giving a little detail in here. At one point, she told a train scat story. Yeah, from when she was young, like in high school with her friend. It was stomach turning. Uh, That's all I'm going to say about that. When you were just repeating those news stories, I have literally no memory (laughs) of any of them. You were loaded. You were loaded. I was wasted on this week's news. I'm sorry, guys. Anyway, just go to (laughs) patreon.com slash sickandwrong, get some more sick and wrong. Cures what ails you. Also, we got a sick and wrong Reddit page uh, that's been set up, r slash sick and wrong podcast, no spaces. I actually did finally post those two legendary videos. I did it. You had oh, yeah, to send yeah, me yeah. them. I had to dump. I had to send them to you. You had to send me them, so I had to watch the Whisper video for probably like the 10th time now. But you also sent me another bonus video, <laughs> which is I, one of the most disgusting that things Kate that I called have Rocky ever seen. Road. And that's on the Reddit page now for you all to enjoy, and I am sorry. Yeah, go check it out. Also, uh, if you want to get some Sick and Wrong merch, just go to the Sick and Wrong Tea Public store, sickandwrongpodcast.com slash shop. Click on the picture of the Pope. And buy yourself some stickers. Uh, finally, here's Sick and Wrong Song of the Week. You know, it's tough to find a song that even related to hoarding. Yeah, well, you would have thought that maybe I would have written one. Yeah, you'd think there'd be something about that. No, it was tough. Um, I did find a uh, Venom song, Buried Alive, but we played Venom a bunch of times. But yeah. you know we've never played? We've never played legendary 1970s uh, New York horror punk hardcore band called The Mad. Um, this is a song called Disgusting. Disgusting. It's uh, from uh, from 1980. It's also from the killed by De- one of the killed by death There's compilations. Hundreds of killed by death comps, and like, but they're all great comps, though. Oh, they're all great. Um, and this also band features uh, ex members of the Cramps. So many guitarists from the Cramps. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. They're a lot of revolving members. Yeah. Um, anyway, it's a great song. We're gonna end the show here with the Mads. Disgusting. People will be back Disgusting. next week with episode 794. Till then, take a my brain, on my ass, but I think I'm real pain, sick, 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 I got a gallery, I got a syphilis, I want to impact, yeah, sick, 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 I got a crab, my god, they're gonna crawl over you Sack, 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 sack
to be drained once every four years and there's still some space in the toilet but I don't want it to overflow so I've been using a bucket when the bucket is full of pee and poop it's really hard to lift it so I just put it in a smaller bucket and I take it outside and empty it. My neighbors could view it as being odd that I dumped the bucket out in the front yard. No neighbors have said anything to me about it either, though. <laughs> <laughs> 